Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It was a much warmer run today. A beautiful day for a neighbor. (laughs) Will you be mine? You want me to become your neighbor instead of your roomie? Mm, I'll keep you as my roomie. Okay. It just sounded like a good way to start off the podcast. Have you been watching reruns of Mr. Rogers? No, but I do remember seeing a movie where Tom Hanks was the actor impersonating Mr. Rogers, and that was a pretty good movie. I was impressed by the life that was portrayed by Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. Yeah, I was a little nervous to go see that because sometimes movies like that put the people you looked up to when you're a little kid into some sort of bad light, but this movie did not disappoint. It was very good. So you're talking about the... More pleasant weather, meaning it was in the 30s instead of the teens. Yes, and that varied greatly. I ran almost 26 miles in three days. Go you. Go me. So some of those miles were on the treadmill because it was 8 degrees outside. But today it was sunny and the real temperature was 43. But with the chilly wind, it said it felt like 32. That's like a heat wave. And I got to reconnect with Kelly this weekend, ran with her both Saturday and Sunday. And Saturday, for the 16-miler, Suzanne and I ran the entire 16, but we had a couple people join us on the first five-mile loop, and then we had someone else join us on the next 10-mile loop, and then we still had several miles to go on our own, but we did three different loops, and... It was nice and warm in one direction, but then when we head south, that wind coming out of the south was nippy. That's one of the nice things about doing loops is you can pick up people, drop off people. That's always a a good strategy for a long bike ride as well. Yeah. Well, Suzanne and I were going to have each other for the entire 16 miles, but it's always nice to have others join in and tell stories and contribute to new conversations. I remember a workout I did a number of years ago. I did a 80-mile bike ride followed by, a, I think it was a 20-mile run. It was a big workout. And I had coordinated with a couple of running buddies to do some of the run with me. So there's a neighborhood in town, just outside of town, that has a loop that's about a mile. And so I was going to do 20 laps in this neighborhood. And you had set up an aid station for me on the loop. Yeah, I manned that aid station. For a long time. And a couple of friends were able to run a few laps with me, and then they disappeared to take care of other things in their life. But it was nice to have company on that really long workout. That is a really long workout. Loops are a good choice. Yeah, I always thought, eh, I'd be bored if I ran one-mile loops and had a long run. But when I was Ironman training, I actually learned to enjoy short loops. Yeah, one of my favorite bike workouts was doing a 10-mile loop over and over and over. Because I, I knew the route, 
I knew it was safe. Occasionally, you would have an aid station set up for me. And I could really tell when I was making progress because I did this loop quite a bit. And so I could see a difference in my power numbers or a difference in my speed based on, you know, my position on the bike or just increased fitness in my legs and, and core. And I think a lot of people think when you're Ironman training that you have to have a lot of variety and fancy bike workouts. And honestly, it's nice to kind of keep it a little bit simpler so that you do know week over week if you're making gains. Yeah, I think there's a, a place for variety and a place for consistency. Yeah, it's nice to have something consistent that you come back to every two or three weeks just to have some data points to make comparisons. Yeah. I know we had an athlete do a race, an 800-meter race back-to-back two weeks in a row, and the first week she actually finished two seconds quicker than the second week. But after that first week, her legs were extremely sore. So I think to go back just one week later and be within two seconds of that time... I think she did a great job. Great job. But sometimes athletes can get hard on themselves and think every workout or race needs to be better than the previous workout or race. And I think we've talked about it before. Progress is not linear. There's ebbs and flows. You increase and decrease. But the key is just remaining positive and staying consistent over time. So speaking of staying positive, being consistent, and doing loops... I've been doing a lot of laps in the pool over the last week. Yes, you have. I developed a a new ache or pain. I've yet to diagnose it as an injury. I'm going to get a medical opinion in the upcoming week. But I have backed off on the running, and I have spent quite a bit of time in the pool. And they have the heater fixed, which I think we've already talked about, which is a real blessing. It's still cold the first lap in the pool, but I've been really working on technique. I took a number of years off of swimming and it has been eye-opening to get back in the pool and recognize how much swim fitness was lost. But I'm enjoying the process, focusing on technique and on strength. And as we often say, patience and consistency, incremental gains, it'll get there. Yeah. And honestly, to get better in the pool, I think you have to get in the pool minimum of four times a week. It just, it's, you know, people will go swim once a week for two months and then comment, hey, why is my swimming not getting better? Or ask us. And I mean, that would be similar to saying, okay, I'm going to go out and run three miles once a week for two months. Probably not going to gain a lot of running improvement by doing three miles a week for two months. The other thing I've been doing in the pool is pool running. And I've been listening to worship music from Spotify while I'm in the pool. Try not to get my shocks headset wet because the one I have is not fully waterproof. But that has really helped pass the time. There is no way I would get in the pool and pool run with my AirPods because those things do not stay in my ears very well sometimes. But your shocks seem like they wrap around your head. So unless you inadvertently go underwater pool running with a swim belt, I think you'd be all right. Yeah. It would have to be just an oversight on my part (laughs) to go underwater. 
And I know that you know how I do my pull running, but I'll share with the audience just in case they haven't done it this way. The way I like to do it is get a swim belt at the health club, wrap it around so that I float, and then I find some way to attach that swim belt to one of the swim platforms so that I am not moving up and down the lane. Because if you're pull running and you're moving up and down the lane, then you're more than likely doing that with your hands. You're cupping your hands as you're pumping your arms, and that's not really what my goal is when I get in the pool to do pool running. It's really to work the muscles related to running, mostly the legs. Concentrate on running form. I really didn't understand what you were telling me earlier in the kitchen, and maybe you don't want to share it with our listeners, but you, I was half listening because I was also in my phone, but you said something about your pool running and your vertical kick. You were making a comparison of those two things. I was. So oftentimes... When we do pull running, we end up doing more of a, a high knee drill, and that's not really running. So when you are running, you do lift your knee, but you don't lift it above horizontal. What I try to do when I'm pull running is make sure that I kick the front leg forward and then push that leg backwards as if I'm pushing off and maybe it's because of the pressure of the water or maybe it's just something that I am unconsciously doing but I end up flapping my ankles similar to how you would want to kick when you're swimming. So it may be more similar to vertical kicking than it is to doing a high knee drill. And I guess the reason I was struggling with that is I know how hard it is to vertical kick, and I know how long you pull run, but I guess the difference is you have a belt on. Yes. <laughs> okay. So. Yes, I, I am not kicking hard enough to keep myself afloat. Yeah, so and, it's, it's a different oh yeah intensity. And I actually tried doing my pull running without the swim belt after I was finished, because I just wanted to see. I sank like a rock. <laughs> but it was all right. Well, the sad thing is, well, I was out running and you were at the health club swimming, we had a visitor. Actually, I guess we had three visitors and we missed them. Yes, we didn't know at the time, but our son and daughter-in-law brought sweet Ellie in over to visit us and we weren't here. We missed out. Speaking of sweet Ellie for the first time ever... I am keeping her, I am babysitting her all week. I usually alternate between three days a week and two days a week. And the other grandparent, grandmother, does three days, two days. And we just split that. But some things have come up this week, and I have the baby five days in a row. So we ought to be well bonded by Friday. Well bonded. As if we're not already. Mm -hmm. She uh, doesn't say yes very often. But she says, okay, okay. She is learning to speak, and it is amazing to watch her develop. Yeah, and she's really starting to sing a lot. There's certain songs that I have sung to her since birth, and she always picks up on the last two or three words of each phrase. It's quite sweet. And she really likes, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Yeah, if I sing, 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. She jumps in on no and so. She likes those ending rhyme mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. So going back to the pool running. Oh, yeah. We were having a, we a were. podcast here that wasn't about our granddaughter. Yes. So I would not say that I am a streak runner, but I'm posing this question to you. If I were a streak runner, would pool running count as a day in the streak? No. Why not? It's just a different, it's a different technique. It's a different wear on the muscles. I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. Each person can have their own definition of a streak. Well, this is true, but I was thinking in terms of the streak runner website. I don't think they would count that. It's hard to believe that somebody could stay injury-free for 60 years running every day. That is just incredible. That is incredible. Well, our friend Lee did it for over a decade, didn't he? He did. I don't know how he did it. (laughs) Crazy. Speaking of streak running, since we're all over the place right now on topics, oh, are you finished with that question? I didn't get the answer I wanted, but yeah, I'm done. No, well, I'm not the be-all, end-all of streak running. I thought you might be supportive of me, though. Oh, so would you still have a streak going if you counted your pool running? Well, not exactly. (laughs) I'm counting... How many days that I have missed? And in my own mind, I'm going to count the days of pool running as actual run days. Well, it ought to be, in my opinion, bonus. Anybody that goes and gets in that cold water in the dead of winter should get bonus. And I've said before, like, if I see somebody pool running, I'd give them an extra lane if it'd help them get well faster. Because most people who are pool running aren't doing it because that's their A game of training. They're doing it because, just like you, you want to stay in shape and you're taking every opportunity to continue building fitness, even though right now you're being careful. Yeah, I've got a marathon in two weeks. (laughs) Yes, you do. Yet to be determined if that will occur or not. Oh, it'll occur. You'll do it. Lord willing. You'll have a great marathon. So you were going to say something about your streak. Yeah, I just looked before... You said, hey, are you ready to hop on to a podcast? And you have any guess on how many days I have done consecutively? Well, you and I have already spoken earlier this week that you have not missed a day in January. But I don't know before that. How many it, how many days has it been? It wasn't too far before January. But uh, today was day 37 Nice that I have run. I'm thankful that you are healthy and able to run. Yep. It is a blessing. And I still have to do my hamstring physical therapy, and it still tightens up. I could definitely feel it toward the end of my 16-mile run yesterday, but I'm just thankful to be able to get out there. Yeah, And we're not encouraging anybody to do a streak. It's just whatever you need to do to reach your goals and to stay healthy. Yeah, right now I'm hoping to just maintain the streak between now and February 12th, which is when the marathon is. And again, this marathon was just going to be a training run for us anyhow because we're running Boston a couple months after that. So just trying to space out the intensity and effort because we are ambitiously registered for four marathons this year. Crazy. <laughs> just pray that we will stay healthy and be able to mark all those off the list as successes this year. Which reminds me, last night... As I was not sleeping again, which is maddening sometimes. But I almost got up and came in to the computer because I was thinking to myself while I was laying there, Self, you should print out 
a map of the United States and start color coding states. And I was thinking I was going to color in red any state in which I have completed a half marathon or a, I guess, also a half distance triathlon. And then I was going to use another color, maybe blue, for full marathon states and just kind of see where I am and then maybe start selecting some little vacation destination runs. I like the sound of that. Vacation. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I was thinking about last night when I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. It's been, uh, just on a personal note, it's been a lot lately as far as things hitting close to home. Had a co-worker who retired a couple years after I did and just, I just got a call that He'd had a massive heart attack, and he didn't make it. And then my cousin also passed away this week. And then a running friend's mom. So, yeah, a lot's hit close to home, which just, you know, it's it's sad for us. But if you're a Christian and you have accepted Christ, he came and paid the price for our sins so that we go to heaven when we die. So, mm-hmm. well, it's sad for those of us who are here left behind, those who are Christians and pass away are in no more pain and in a, in a great place. Cross the ultimate finish line as a champion. This is true. But having said that, lots of funerals this week. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's been keeping me awake a little bit, just thinking about their families. Mm, I had some other thoughts I wanted to share. You and I have been doing independently a one-year Bible devotional and it's currently going through the book of Job and if you don't know the story of Job I'll give you the highlights here. Job was a righteous person meaning he did his best to serve the Lord, love the Lord and the Lord had prospered him with a big family and lots of cattle and sheep and goats and all the things that people had back then and Satan asked God if he could take those things away from Job to test him to see if he would continue to be faithful to God or if he would turn away from God. Yeah, I think the devil basically approached God and said, well, of course he believes in you and is faithful and righteous because look at everything he has. Like it's heaven on earth. Let me take all this away from him. So he took away his livestock, he took away his family, and then he inflicted him with terrible disease and pain and suffering. But still he was faithful. Still he was faithful. And in the end, Satan lost. Job was faithful. God was right that, of course he's always right, that Job was a righteous person. And although it wasn't the same family, or the same cattle, or the same sheep. Job ended up with a bigger family in the end, and much more prosperous. God rewarded his faithfulness on earth, and I'm sure in eternity. Yes, and what sticks out to me in that story is Job's so-called friends were not very encouraging and supportive during that process. They were very accusatory toward Job. Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes being a guy, if you share something you're struggling with, I may try to come up with a solution for you. That's so annoying. When all you really want to do 
was to share what was on your heart. You weren't asking me to solve your problems. <laughs> well, these three so-called friends, they weren't really trying to solve his problems. They were trying to issue blame that something in his past was coming back to haunt him and he needed to repent. And it certainly could be something in our past that brings about difficult circumstances, but whether we are walking the right path or not, life is going to have ups and downs and we just need to keep our focus on the Lord and trust in his faithfulness. And that reminds me of another story that came up in that devotional. The author of the devotional was saying that there was a a young man, I believe he's a teenager, who was in a wheelchair most of his life to date. And he was asked, do you think it's fair that God has placed you in a wheelchair? And he said, yes, it is fair because God has all of eternity to make it up to me. I just think that's a really good perspective because life is so short. Eternity is so long, infinitely longer. And we get so caught up in a minute of time or a day of time when what's important is down the road when we cross that ultimate finish line. I'm not sure how we got off on that. On a completely different note, this Bible in a Year app, I personally like it because you can pull it up and it has the scripture verses actually printed. It has the commentary printed. So I can actually read along as I'm listening to it because if I were just listening, my mind would wander to 300 other things per minute. So it's very helpful to me to have it narrated, but also have the words right in front of me. But what I think is funny, and sometimes I think about this when we do our podcast, because I feel like a lot of times with our podcasts and our team notes, like some of the content that's built around our business, I feel like you do a lot of heavy lifting and then I just kind of sit down and be supportive (laughs) or whatever. And so in this Bible study, it makes me think of it, this man who has created all this content and it's a lot of commentary for each day. And it's updated because he's talking about the pandemic and very current events. But then at the very end, his wife, whose name is Pippa, (laughs) will come in and go and Pippa adds and then she has like two sentences (laughs) so you and i take turns with a lot of the content we do yeah but anyway back to but today i feel like pippa ads okay so how does this relate to what we've been talking about well as athletes sometimes things are going great and sometimes they're not going so great so my foot's giving me some issues so i've got a choice to make am i going to get frustrated and angry or am I going to be thankful for all the many blessings that I have? I have a wonderful wife. I've got a great group of athletes that we work with. Wonderful kids. The sweetest grandbaby ever. You probably have some other grandparent listeners that would take objection to that, but... Well, they probably haven't seen Ellie. Oh my goodness, she's sweet. So what if I can't run today. I can go to the pool. I could get on the bike. I could do pool running. I have so many choices. We're just so richly blessed and we just need to keep the right perspective on our endurance athletics in that, yes, there will be ups and downs. And is it because of something that we did wrong? Maybe, maybe not. It could be that God just needs to humble us sometime just to keep our perspective right. But I will continue to seek Him and do the things that are 
recommended to me to heal the injury and move on down the road. That reminds me in the, the Bible study that I'm doing, um, Suzanne actually talked me into joining Bible Study Fellowship, which I think I've talked about before. It's a nationwide Bible study that there's a chapter that meets in Owensboro once a week, a, a women's study that meets once a week. And it, when we broke off into small groups a couple of weeks ago, we were asked to share what some of our biggest blessings have been. And the more I got to thinking about it, sometimes the things that have been the hardest in life, the like the battles that we have faced, have turned out to become blessings as we've been able to come alongside other people who maybe face similar adversities. So even when we're in our battles, we're learning to trust the Lord and we're gaining empathy to help others. So actually, our battles become blessings. So I was scrolling today, if we want to get on the subject of triathlon for a little bit. We've been kind of deep into life so far. Deep in life. So this is much lighter, but I was looking at just in general some triathlon topics on some social media sites and websites, and I came across this one from Triathlon Nation, and they were sharing their top triathlon tips. So I thought I would share their top 10 triathlon tips and see what you think about these as being top triathlon tips. Okay. So the first one is more is more. Safely build up training volume. More is more. Yeah, you know how it's the the big buzz phrase, less is more. Oh, yes. Less is more. So this is more is more. Okay. So I think their... Increase your volume. Their top training tip is more swimming, more running, more biking. It depends on what distance event you're targeting and what your goals are, but okay. Yeah, and I don't agree that more is always more because every athlete's different. See, more is more, but more may not be better. Yeah, more is more, but I think they're trying to say more is better. They're just... It depends on your goals. Yeah, and you need to think about periodization and giving your body a chance to recover and soak up fitness. So it's a little bit more complicated than just keep doing more. Okay, what's number two? Number two, no, you don't need a new bike. I agree with that one. I mostly agree with that one, unless you have... A one-speed Huffy with a yellow banana seat. (laughs) And tassels and reflectors. That's right. So... Again, it depends on what your goals are. Yeah. And in the race that you're doing, if it's a really hilly route, you may need more than one gear. Yes, and that's something we discovered on my road bike that I was doing triathlons on was we had to really get some gearing change because there really wasn't an easy gear on that bike to navigate. Sugarloaf Mountain. The only mountain in Florida. That's right. We found it, didn't we? So you don't necessarily need a new bike. It's more of a want than a need. Yeah. I mean, you want to be safe. If your bike is safe, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, if if you have a good road bike that you've got some aero bars on, you have a nice bike fit, or if you have a time trial bike and you have a nice bike fit, you don't need the new model. You don't need the latest model. I mean, bikes are nice, and it's fun to get a new bike. It's an expensive hobby. It is an expensive hobby. Here's our next one. Bike 
will help your run. Run will not help your bike. I would say bike will help your run if you don't bike too hard. And bike will help your run and run will help your bike if you're just doing easy distance building aerobic endurance. Yeah. I mean... Both are going to build your fitness, but I think their point is, I'm guessing their point is, you have to be smart when you're racing, especially the longer the run's going to be, so that it doesn't become swim, overbike, walk. Okay. Number four. Are you on the edge of your seat? I am. Sort your swim technique before you try to swim fast. Technique plus power equals speed. I agree with that one. It's yeah. a combination of technique and speed and comfort in the water. You've got to get over the, the fear of the water before you can really take advantage of your technique and speed. Yeah. Technique and strength. I think there's a lot of more advanced techniques that can come later, but just the basic techniques of being balanced in the water, staying balanced when you breathe as you're swimming, and then early vertical forearm I think if you do that well and then really start increasing your fitness and power with that early vertical forearm, that's where you're going to get the most gains. Once you have that mastered, then we start thinking about other stuff. Okay. But yeah, you can definitely thrash and do a lot of work in the water and not gain any speed. Yeah, and I've seen people with a kickboard, and I've been there before too, where... You're just kicking as hard as you can, and you're just not going anywhere. And so if you don't have your kick mastered, and you know your event is going to be wetsuit legal, I would not waste a lot of energy and time on the kick. Work on other aspects of your technique. But if you are doing a event that you are confident it's not going to be wetsuit legal, you really need to move beyond the basics of technique and get comfortable with your kick. Yeah, or at least whether you're using your kick for propulsion or for balance, you need to make sure your feet aren't slowing you down. Point those toes. <laughs> Are you ready for number five? Let's do it. This one's, you know, this one hits hits the soul. Calorie deficit is the only way to lose weight. Not cleanse, not detox, not keto, not intermittent fasting, not da 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 like all the all the craze i am not a nutritionist but i would tend to agree that managing your your calories is key to managing your weight yeah and i would want to add to that like you definitely want to stay within your calorie allocation based on the calories you're burning per day versus the calories you're consuming but i could eat candy bars all day and have my calories lower than my calorie count and not fueling my body properly. So for weight loss, if that's the only go, yes, calorie deficit is a thing. But if you're really wanting to fuel your sport and make your body composition the best it can possibly be, then not only do you have to think about your caloric intake for the day, but you need to think about healthy proteins, healthy carb, healthy fat. I agree. I think we've discussed this one before, but I think it's funny that it made the top 10. Flying mounts are probably best left to the pros. I would, from experience, (laughs) agree with that. I think time could be way better spent on building fitness rather than flying mounts. 
if you are going to do a flying mount, you need to practice it, though. <laughs> but it is discouraged. Yeah. You may end up losing more time struggling to get on your bike than if you stopped, put your leg over the bike, and put your feet on the pedals and take off. I will have to say that we have yet to coach an athlete that that's where we've gotten to, that the only way they're going to improve their time, overall time, is by doing the flying mount. <laughs> think there's a lot of other ways to improve yeah there are a lot of other ways to improve time in transition besides that number seven safety is more important than anything else in a race i would agree with that yeah i keep thinking is there anything else more important than safety because if you're being safe then you're being respectful and honoring of the other triathletes etc so yeah i have to go along with that Lift weights a minimum of once a week and a maximum of twice a week while you're triathlon training. I feel like that's more of a personal preference than something that is a blanket statement for all triathletes. Yeah, and I also think it really depends on where you are in your periodization cycle. If you've just come off of a triathlon a long distance race maybe and you're going into recovery cycle, you might be able to add in more weight training or if you're five weeks out you might just want to if you're five weeks out from your big event you might just want to lay off the weight training for a little bit yeah if you're already doing 20 plus hours of training with just swim bike and run you may not have time to add in weight training and the sport specific training is going to be more valuable but if you have extra time Weights are good. Yeah. And you you would definitely want to work in conjunction with your coach or your physical therapist to take care of your muscles as far as are there pre-workout activities that you want to do to warm your body up, their post-workout activities, foam rolling, uh, specific stretches that tailor to your body's particular needs. Okay. Number nine, aerodynamics trumps weight on the bike. I've got to think about that one for a minute. Aerodynamics trumps weight on the bike. I guess there's more than one way of looking at that. There are certainly many benefits by being more aero, but if your body is wide, you're going to be catching a lot of air. If you're heavy because you're tall, then hopefully you can lean over and be able to get a nice profile through the wind. But I would say, in general, if speed is what your goal is, you want aerodynamics, but your priority should be to get to a healthy weight. Yeah, I think the two go hand in hand. If you get a good bike fit and then you lose 50 pounds, you're probably going to need to go back and get another bike fit because you're going to be able to get more aero. But I think The point here is that it is important to be aerodynamic. You don't want to be racing a half iron distance or a full iron distance just sitting straight up on your bike. It takes a lot more power to traverse the course if you're catching a lot of wind. Mm -hmm. And number 10, I thought was funny. Practice taking off your wetsuit. It's not one that I had thought of before, I don't believe. And I don't know that I ever practiced taking the wetsuit off. But I I did plenty of practice swims in a wetsuit, and I took it off afterwards. Yeah, I think in general, you need to practice transitions. Like occasionally, you need to do a swim and then run. Like a real transition, like actually plan to transition from swim to run. Yeah. 
you need to know what it's going to be like on race day. Yeah. So I probably, rather than practice taking off your wetsuit, I would have said practice transitions, which obviously would include shedding the wetsuit. That's a very low priority in the grand scheme of things. And if your event has wetsuit strippers, you may not even have to put much focus on that aspect of T1. (laughs) Speaking of wetsuit strippers, (laughs) I race in a two-piece tri-suit. Like my top and bottom are two separate pieces. And so if I utilize a wetsuit stripper, I always make sure I'm holding on (laughs) to my bottoms just in case they strip a little too much and we'll make sure my bottoms stay on that could be embarrassing yeah so there are advantages to a one-piece tri-suit i've never thought about that (laughs) yeah i'm glad i wear a one-piece yeah i don't know i feel odd in a one-piece tri-suit for some reason i mean let's face it spandex it's not going to be ultimately flattering in one piece or two piece but i don't know I just kind of prefer the two-piece. Probably a little too much information. You've always looked beautiful. Love is blind. Well, thanks for sharing that top ten list. You're welcome. I'm not sure I would have put all those on the top ten. One that's not on there that I think is just blatantly missed is practice open water swimming. Yes. Unless you're doing an indoor swim triathlon. But even then, if you're doing an indoor swim, oftentimes they have you swim under the lane lines and you're still going to be bumping people. Mm-hmm. You need to practice open water swimming with other people because it is so much different than having a lane to yourself. So there's something else that I was wanting to talk about and it has to do with inflammation. So I've got this little issue going on with my foot. There's no obvious swelling, but anytime there's pain, the thought is is that there's inflammation. And you can take over-the-counter medication to eliminate inflammation, but is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And really, inflammation is a good thing. It's your body reacting to a situation, trying to heal something that isn't right. It could be a virus, a bacteria, or something, or it could be an injury, and your body's sending more blood to that localized area and trying to mend itself. But I think where it gets complicated is when the pain or the inflammation lingers, and then the question becomes, do you continue using over-the-counter medication to manage the pain, manage the inflammation, or do you leave it alone and let the body do its thing? What are your thoughts? Well, I think if you ask different medical professionals, they're going to have different perspectives and answers. The more traditional medical doctor is going to encourage you to take Advil or whatever the treatment is to eliminate the symptom of pain. And a physical therapist is going to probably lean, or a chiropractor is going to probably lean more toward, well, let's not supplement and eliminate the inflammation. Let's let the body do its work and let's rest and ice and compress. So I think it depends. I think initially if you're just in pain and it's keeping you from sleeping, maybe take a little something to get the edge off. But as you can, let the body do its thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and if inflammation persists or it's occurring when you don't really have an injury, then you're dealing with chronic inflammation, and that's not a good thing. It's certainly 
something that needs medical attention. But I was trying to find some more information on inflammation, and in particular, foods that may be the best choices to avoid unnecessary inflammation. So I've got a top 10 list, or maybe more than 10. I haven't counted, but so berries are a good option. All kinds of different berries. And we like to keep blueberries around the house. I try to put those in my salad every once in a while. I wonder if raisins, I don't know that grapes are really considered a berry. Okay. And then fish, high in omega-3 fatty acids are a good choice. I'm a big fan of salmon. I was reading something the other day about how canned tuna is not a good choice because the because of oxidation of the cholesterol. That's a whole different topic. And there was some kind of tie back to Alzheimer's. So we have a few cans of tuna in the pantry, but when that's gone, I may have to start avoiding that. But if you avoid everything that somebody says is bad for you, there's not going to be anything left but boiled water. And number three is broccoli. Broccoli is something that uh, we don't always get enough of. Was it President George Herbert Bush or George W. Bush? that made a comment that he didn't like broccoli, and the broccoli farmers got after him. Do you remember? I have no idea. Anyway, broccoli's good for you. Avocados are another great option. And it's hard at our local groceries to find ripe avocados. It's really frustrating to have a bin of 100 avocados, and they're all so hard that you can't squeeze them at all. And you know you're not going to be able to cut them and scoop it out. But I think what we have found is if we bring those hard avocados home and leave them in the pantry instead of the refrigerator, they will soften up. Yes, and sometimes they go in the pantry and they're out of sight, out of mind, and they become a little too soft. Another option is peppers. So it could be your bell peppers or you know, other kind of peppers are also good for helping manage your inflammation. <laughs> Another option is mushrooms. I'm going to have to pass on that one. You're just like your mom on that one. And like my wife on that one. Yeah, well. I'm not sure how somebody develops a taste for mushrooms. Mm. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, well, we were talking about berries earlier. Another one on the list is grapes. And I don't. I wouldn't say I eat a lot of grapes, but I eat a lot of raisins. Do you think they're in the same category? I don't know. Ellie and I eat a lot of grapes. As far as spices go, turmeric. I have a hard time saying that word. <laughs> How do you say it? I don't. Turmeric. There you go. That's a spice that's good for helping with inflammation. I've also heard that cinnamon is good for inflammation as well. Well, if that's the case, I should have zero inflammation because I bet I eat more cinnamon than anyone else on planet Earth. Olive oil is another option, and I made pancakes this morning, but I did not use olive oil. I used grapeseed oil. Maybe it's in the same category. You got oil and you got grapes, grapeseed oil. Well, I've always heard that grapeseed oil is a better cooking oil and olive oil is better for dressings and eating fresh. Okay. How'd you like the pancakes this morning? I doused them in cinnamon, so it had to be great. Cinnamon and Fage 0% yogurt mm -hmm. and a little bit of syrup. A little bit of 100% pure maple. Dark chocolate. Well, I'm going to tell you, if dark chocolate helps avoid inflammation, you should have no inflammation in your body. You put away the dark chocolate. We've been buying the Lint, L-I-N-D-T, dark chocolate, 90% cocoa, and I just love it. Take a, a whole mid-jeweled pitted date and a little bite of chocolate, 
Mm-mm-mm. I wish they could see all your emotions. My emotions? You're, you're oh, just, as we're podcasting here? You're just pretending to do all this. You're thoroughly enjoying even the thought. It's still early. I may have time for another round of supper here in a little bit. A round of supper and skip bow. <laughs> oh, you had to bring it up. I was ahead by like five games. And then you came back and tied it. I didn't bring it up, but I do have a one-game lead right now. It has been a long time since I have taken the lead. I have come from behind and tied it up several times. And I thought I was going to come back and win last night, but it didn't happen. I was one card shy of winning. Mm, it was so close. So tomatoes are another good food choice. Have you ever heard that Tom Brady doesn't eat tomatoes? No, but I did hear he retired. I think he's retiring at the end of next season. Oh. But maybe I haven't read the news. I just saw a headline saying at the end of the 2022 season, he was going to retire. Wouldn't that be this year? This season went from 21 to 22. Next season's from 22 to 23. I don't know. I'm not sure what Tom Brady's doing. But I did read somewhere that he avoids tomatoes. And my goodness, has he been successful and stayed healthy. I read a lot of information on tomatoes not being great for the gut, but I don't avoid them, so I don't know. And when you say great for the gut, are you talking about digestive or Mm -hmm. gaining flab? I'm talking digestion and health of the gut. Okay, and I'm just really thinking about managing recovery and inflammation related to injuries. Another food on the list is cherries. We don't eat a lot of cherries anymore, but when we used to go boating quite a bit, we would buy cherries, and that was a really nice snack out on the boat. I guess we'll have to buy another boat, so we'll start eating the cherries again. Boats are a good way to get hurt. Just saying. They're a lot of fun when they work. That's all I have to say about that. So those are a list of healthy foods to help you manage inflammation so that your body appropriately uses inflammation. So obviously avoid things that you know are bad for you. You Heavily processed foods and junk food, excessive amounts of sweets, things that are high in saturated fat. Healthy fat is good. We do a lot to train our bodies and we need to fuel it appropriately. Not just managing your calories, but being intentional about what we put in. You got anything else to say about nutrition? I mean, there's so much to say about nutrition, but I think that'll be a wrap for today. Well, let's wrap this up with a scripture. And the scripture that I was thinking about, I'm not going to tell the whole story that Jesus told, but in Luke, the 12th chapter, the last part of verse 48 is what I wanted to share. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I think what made me think about that scripture preparing for this podcast was we have been so richly blessed in so many ways, and we should be giving that much more back to the Lord in our time and in our praise and in our finances, because he has richly blessed us. We are truly blessed. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at rycoach at gmail.com 
or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.